appreciate that um, introduction, and, and it is true. I, I got my start in my belief and my principles really at an early age. And uh, I come from a place called Bakersfield. I don't know if you know it. If you ever watched the movie or read the book of Grapes of Wrath, this is where the Shantytown everybody ended up. Uh, it's, a it's an interesting district. It goes from the Mojave Desert to the Pacific Ocean. I have aerospace, aerospace I have oil and ag, I have uh, wineries. Uh, Cedar Chavez is buried in my district. I have two families in my district who own 80% of all the carrots in the country. If any of you eat a baby carrot, it is a big carrot chopped and we charge you more. <laughs> <laughs> my family were all Democrats. Um, I was the youngest. Uh, I got out of high school with uh, not great grades and not a great athletic ability to get a scholarship. So I found I had to go to work. So I took a job as a seasonal firefighter. You know, in California, we have a lot of these fires. So I was one who went out and worked on the cruise. And I'd take my money, because Bakersfield's two hours up from L.A., and I'd go to L.A., and I'd buy cars at the car auction, and I'd bring them back and sell them and pay my way through junior college. Then in California, we had the initiative process. We passed um, the lottery. So on the second day on my first ticket, I won the lottery. Uh, true story. It wasn't like you go on loss. I didn't win millions. Most of you went in when the lottery was $5,000. But you think if you're 19, do I throw a big party, or do I invest the money? Luckily, I invested the money, and I made more. Uh, I took my money out, refinanced the cars I had, and I went out to become an entrepreneur. And I opened uh, a deli. It was before Subways, but it was like, a lot, lot like Subways. But I wasn't bright enough to franchise it. But uh, it taught me a lot, and I, uh, I made enough money. My goal was to finish college. So I made enough money, and then I could pay my way through college. So I sold it after a couple of years, and I didn't need money at this time, and I didn't need to work. But I applied for Bill Thomas's internship in, back in Washington, D.C. in the paper, and I got turned down. So now I can get elected to a job, I can't get an internship. <laughs> <laughs> you know Bill Thomas, I didn't have it. <laughs> I didn't take no for an answer. I went back to him and uh, he said, all right, I'll let you cut papers in my local office for free. And I did that in uh, two months. And he, he said he'd give me $200 a month to, to work with and I did. And it was a great experience. One thing you learned, you never told Bill Thomas what to do, but you did the research and then he challenged you on the And uh, it was a great training ground for me. Uh, I was in the state assembly. I was elected leader as a freshman. Uh, and California taught me great training ground because in California you handle all the big issues by big five. The four leaders and the governor. We called our governor at the time. So every crazy bill that they're bringing up now, I already debated and voted against in California. Um, I, I will tell you, I want to touch on two things. I want to touch on the Pledge of America and I want to touch on the group. We're outside the building. Um, if you want to know what the election looks like, look at three things. First, look at the Gallup poll. It won't tell you an individual race, but it'll tell you the national trend. This is a national campaign. This is going to be a wave election. The definition of a wave election is 20 seats. We can have a wave election and still be in the minority. Don't believe the hype that this is a 70 seat. This is, this is much different, but um, this is, we're nowhere out of the woods yet. First, you look at the Gallup poll. And why do you want to look at the Gallup poll? Gives you the national trend. Now, these are registered voters, not likely voters. So whatever the Gallup poll gives you, you want to add four to whatever side has the intensity to be conservative. The latest is 46-46. It's everything. Well, in November of 94, it was 46-46, and we won more than 50 seats. But if you take the 46 and you add four to it, you have 50. Now, what you want to do at the end of November, at the end of October, you want to do this, and you'll seem very bright to all your friends. So you take that number. Why do you want to take that number? The last 10 elections for Congress. The vote the party gets will not deviate between 1 to 2.5% of the number of seats you have. Meaning, the Democratic vote got 58% of the vote, they have 59% of the seats. 
So we're at 50, we're in the margin of error for the majority. So you can figure out within there, based upon intensity, what is the ballpark of the number of seats. Then you want to check, right? So go after the presidential approval. The presidential approval since 1962 will tell you how many seats are in play, not which seats are in play. November of 94, Clinton was at 41. Today, Obama's at 42 to 43. The magic number is he just has to be under 50 and 40 seats are in play. So those two things play in. But the final factor you have to look at, do you have enough candidates to take the opportunity of a, of a place to go? Since 1920, there have been 45 races for Congress outside of this one. Only six times out of the 45 have Republicans ever out-recruited Democrats, having more candidates. They only did it twice when they were in the minority, 92 and 94, both good years for Republicans. We out-recruited the Democrats this time. We not only out-recruited the Democrats this time, in 1994 we had 421 candidates. In 2006, the Democrats had 422. We have 430, the most in the history of the Republican Party. The most of either party for 30 years. That shows, like anything else in the free market, you get more candidates, you have better quality. Now, how did I go about doing recruitment? I did it much different. We'd meet every single Thursday. You look at the voting history of the district. You put the census data over the top because you're at the end of the cycle. But I did something different. I took the MRA book. And I put in the data to see how often they went home and how often, how much money they spent on communication. Because I have this theory. I don't put a lot of work into it. I call it the McCarthy theory, right? And I want to check in a wave election, who do you sneak up on? The wave election is different. So I'm checking to see, is there a direct correlation to how much money you spend communicating and how often you go home that we could have caught you in 06, we could have caught you in 94. In 1994, we defeated 15% of every Democrat incumbent. In 2006, they defeated 10% of every Republican incumbent. So the incumbency factor in a big way is somewhere between 10 and 15%. In 1994, there were two big votes, the gun vote and the budget vote. There were 10 Democrats that sat in Bush 41 seats that he carried that voted against both those bills, and we beat none of them. There were 19 Democrats that sat in those seats that voted for one of the bills. We beat 42% of them. There were 10 Democrats that sat in those seats that voted for both bills. We beat 70% of them. So you can go and you can follow in intensity based upon where the votes are. Somebody voted for health care, cap and trade, the debt limit. They're much more vulnerable than somebody else. But the magic number in 1994 was we won 70% of every open seat. Open seats cost less, you more have to win them, and they had a lot of retirement. So when I first started recruiting, we'd meet every Thursday, and I'd go on the road all the way going home because you have to go back into these districts to even have those people believe we were running. Well, we got to a point, I didn't know that we could play for the majority. I was recruiting for six years. I thought we'd have a good cycle this year, the presidential would be the presidential, and then we'd come back with another good cycle. Um, but we hit kind of a wall. At the very beginning, Boehner asked me, you know, go get 60 tier one candidates and challenge Democrats. Four of them. So I started looking at the votes, and I, I did a matrix inside, and I came to the conclusion that I needed 15 retirements to have the majority in play. And we were well below it, and uh, Van Hollen was push, poking me in the eye saying, you're not going to have the retirement. So I shifted gears, and this is, this is the McCarthy theory if it plays out. Who do you hit, and who do you catch in a wave election that's not paying attention? Well, my theory goes after five terms is when you're going to catch someone. Because the first two terms you come here, you bring staff from your own district, right? You're not on an aid committee. You, on average, spend 250000 on communication back home, and you go home more. And you get challenged, but you, you, normally you win, right? Well, by your third term, 
Your staff that came from your district either wants to get married or are burned out. <laughs> you now have moved to get onto an A committee. You think you need brighter staff. So how do you get brighter staff? You pay more money. I don't argue whether it's brighter staff. But. <laughs> now, how do you get more money? You don't get more money. You have to cut somewhere else. So you start cutting back on your communication because you thought you want better, right? Well, by your fourth and fifth term, you're not talking committee. You're talking subcommittee talk, not even committee talk. When someone from your district comes in to talk an issue that you're not even on the committee, you think you're really helping them, but you're telling them you've got a really good friend over there on education, and that you should meet with them. So you can't even deal with their issue, right? You've cut back on your mailing because now your staff's getting on the mail. You're just talking subcommittee talk, so you can't think anything beyond on a national trend where the average person cares about. And you're winning with higher numbers than you've ever won before. And you think everybody loves you. Because <coughs> the world's getting great. You're raising less money back home, more money in the PAC committee, because now we're on all your lists and you're giving to us, and we're in the subcommittee of your choice, right? <laughs> That's when you're vulnerable. 